I'm Aria Schwartz, and welcome to the WNBA Insider Show. This episode, we have a special guest, Eric Beck, WNBA Insider Lynx Beat Reporter. Eric Beck with us. Eric is the WNBA Insider Lynx beat reporter, and we are going in on the Lynx. Recently, well, today, the Minnesota Lynx made even more preseason moves. If you like our show, please consider joining our Patreon community. For less than a cup of coffee a month, you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the W. Eric, let's dive right in, say hi to the folks, and then I want to know, what's your gut reaction to these trades? Hi to the folks. Uh, yeah, I think it was kind of a couple of no-brainer trades for the Lynx. I mean, obviously they're, you know, they're giving up on, you know, really drafting uh, next season. I think, you know, they gave up their second round pick and their third round pick, but I think it, it makes total sense for them. If you can get Stephanie Talbot for a second round pick and Elena Coates for, you know, who was the former second overall pick for, a third rounder who you're isn't probably going to make the team anyway. Those are two super low risk, high reward trades. Yeah, definitely. And I think with Coates, at least you have to think about it. At least whenever I think of young players in the W, you want to give them honestly, almost like five years before you can really start talking about, you know, have, is this a bust? Uh, or what do we see? What do we expect from this person's career? And with Coates, you know, missing that whole first season, um, getting a few minutes in last year, I think it's going to be an interesting one. What type of role or what do you see her doing for this team in a, in a positive light? For Coates? Yeah. I, yeah, I think, uh, I think she's going to be probably playing a lot of the backup center minutes, at least early on in the season when uh, Feg Benley is uh, playing with her national team. Uh, you know, it's both of these moves have made it really interesting, like who the links are going to cut. I think both Talbot and Coates are making the team, but they still probably, you know, if Zandalcini and uh, to me, Fake Benley are coming back later in the season, they still have one more cut to make. And so you sort of have to figure out who that is. It might end up being to me. I don't know. You know, it's her contract uh, expires at the end of this season, so she's not on contract for next season. Uh, and Coates, you know, has four more years under contract. Um, I expect it to be probably one of those two, unless they decide that, uh, you know, they haven't signed Zandalasini yet, so they might say, what, well, but they do have uh, the exclusive rights to her. So they might decide to say, well, we're just going to roll with what we have. I don't expect them to do that because they kind of need as much shooting as they can get, but it could be one of the ways they go. Well, I would be interested. I mean, there are a few other people on this roster that, you know, if you want to keep that. Personally, um, Zandalasini has that flexibility to play the three, play the four if you need, um, and 
honestly, I think could play the two also. But what about Larkins? Is that someone who might be might be someone who gets cut in the end? I think I think probably. I think you know. I think that the there's sort of a nine player rotation that has been you know the main uh, rotation for the preseason. That's you know the starters being. Daniel Robinson, Simone Augustus, Karima Christmas Kelly, Tamira Stantis, and Sylvia Fowles. And then the bench being Odyssey Sims, Lexi Brown, Nafisa Collier, and Jessica Shepard. I think those players are all definitely on the team. And I sort of have a hard time, you know, even if it's just sort of late draft picks, I don't see the Lynx, you know, giving up uh, assets for players that aren't going to be on the roster, at least for part of the season. So I kind of suspect that the last two cuts are of the uh, preseason, now that they've uh, waived Kanisha Bell and Jillian Laney, will probably be Erlina Larkins and uh, Shouting. Yeah, and we'll, we'll, we'll get into Shouting in a moment, because there's some conflict. You know what, let's just do it now, and then we'll get back to Talbot. There's been sure. some conflicting reports, because I've seen... Some people um, in various different outlets claim that Shao has a guaranteed contract. And the reason, for those of you who aren't aware, the reason that this is so interesting is in the W, like if you have a guaranteed contract, you're taking the hit towards your salary, uh, uh, towards your salary cap, no matter what, even if you cut them, unless you trade them away and a different team takes it on, that contract is guaranteed. If that's true that Shao Ting is getting that, um, that would be a pretty tough one because then you might as well just keep her. Right. I, you know, I thought I'd heard something that maybe that wasn't precisely true, but that was the original report that I heard as well. Though it, it should be noted that she does have sort of an absolute minimum contract. You know, her, you know, she's signed for like 41965 according to High Post Hoops salary database. Um, and that's sort of the, you know, that's the amount that like Kanisha Bell was signed for as a late third round pick. So maybe they're willing to eat that salary. I'm not sure, but maybe it's not, maybe it's not fully guaranteed. I, I'm not, I'm not totally clear on that, but it might not be a big deal either way for them. To I mean, they, look, this is reason 1 billion and five, why we need a little bit more clarity, a little bit more transparency from the league and from the teams uh, in regards to salary stuff. And there has to be, I understand, maybe you don't, it's not good for the league to get out salary information. That's just my little rant. But at certain point, it's hard for us as people trying to break down the moves, break down the future moves and the impact of these moves towards the season without knowing, you know, the ins and outs of these contracts. And there has to be a way we can find a compromise. WNBA, I will find a compromise with you. Let's figure it out. Let's move back, though. Talbot. What does Talbot coming to the team mean as far as three-pointing, scoring for some other players possibly? Um, I know you mentioned off-mic this might have something to do with uh, Karima Christmas. Kelly, talk to me what you're thinking. What's going through your mind right now? So, I mean, I think that this is a move that you make regardless. Like, if, if the opportunity comes up to get more shooting on this team, I think you have to do it, especially, you know, Stephanie Talbot played such an important role on the Phoenix Mercury last year. I was kind of surprised that they were willing to give her up for what they did. 
But yeah, I it's going to be now I think kind of a crowded wing rotation. Uh, if you've got you know, Simone Augustus, Kareem, uh, Christmas Kelly, Nafisa Collier, Lexi Brown, Odyssey Sims, all you know, kind of at at the two and the three, and now you're throwing Talbot in there. You know, somebody is going to end up playing a lot less than maybe they should or they could. Uh, I, I do wonder if this is partially due to. It, it's possible that Kareem and Christmas Kelly is still working her way back from injury and that she is going to see more restricted minutes than maybe we thought initially. And that Simone Augustus may have, you know, less minutes this year than before just to save up for a deep postseason run. But yeah, I mean, they're going to have to make some tough decisions, both in roster cuts and in, in the rotation. Because I mean, there's a lot of players here that probably ought to be seeing minutes, but it's going to be hard to, to get, get them for everybody. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be tough. And, you know, we were talking before we got on the mic about how this is kind of starting to reminisce of an older Lynx team where you started, I mean, for the past few years, there's been a huge gap as far as the starting five and the bench. And that's slow. I mean, let's be real. It's partially due right now to a few, three of their starters disappearing, but the gap has started to close. Um, with that in mind, where do you think these Minnesota Lynx stack up compared to the rest of this league? Well, you know, they don't have sort of the, the depth of all-star talent that they've had, you know, in the past, or, you know, even compared to some of the rosters that have been put together by some other teams this year. It, but I do think that they, that depth is a major strength of theirs. And I don't know that there's, many teams in the league that have quite the depth of talent that they do. It, it's hard before any games have been played to kind of put them in the, in kind of the top four. I think those are at least for the moment occupied by uh, probably Phoenix, uh, LA, uh, Connecticut and Las Vegas, uh, just in, in terms of sheer number, you know, high-level talent that those teams have. But I think that this is going to be a really, really competitive Lynx team, and they're not going to be easy to beat on, on any given night. They're, they're really not. I mean, also, look, we know a few things about Cheryl Reed. She's going to put a competitive team out there, and she's going to put a team that is going to be an honest defensive team. The question has always been, and the question was last year, can they score? Can they score? Can they score? Um, and I don't think we necessarily have a complete answer for that, but Talbot definitely adds to to that, right? Right. Well, you know, in the 2017 season where Syl won her MVP, uh, the Lynx might not have ultimately taken as many threes as their opponents did, but they ended up making more threes for the season. Uh, I think they shot probably 37%. I think spacing the floor around Sylvia Fowles is sort of the key to having a pretty great offense, even without, you know, some of those, you know, superstars that the Lynx have had in past seasons. 
but they've got a lot of people who can who can score. I mean, Odyssey Sims is going to be playing a major role on this team. Obviously, already has put up some big numbers in the preseason. You know, a couple of twenty-point games. Uh, she's got a, a super green light for the season. Uh, but there's going to be a lot of scoring by committee. If you know every player on the roster or in the rotation scores, you know, eight to ten points, you're in a pretty good spot. Well, talk to me about. The, I, we don't even need to necessarily get into this, but the other night, what what was Odyssey's three point stat right there? Because a lot of people talking about Odyssey. I think it was five of seven. It was yeah. That, <laughs> that helped a lot. That helped a lot. Um, all right. Well, let's talk real quick though. What do you imagine for this Minnesota Lynx starting five in the twenty eighteen season? Like who who do I think it's going to be? I, yeah. I think it's still going to be the the same that we've seen in the preseason that might change as time goes on. Obviously with new acquisitions, you never know exactly, exactly what it's going to be, but I think you're still looking at sort of the D Rob, Simone, Karima, Demir Stantis, Sill starting five, but I just think you're They're going to rely on the bench a lot more this season than maybe they have in the past. And hopefully that season can, you know, give them some confidence because we definitely did not see did not see that last year talk to me we've heard cheryl talk a lot about changing play style you know the things we've done in the past worked but now maybe they're not working as well what do you expect that will translate to as far as actual things well in terms of what they're keeping the same i think they're still really committed to being really tough to play against on the defensive end and rebounding the hell out of the ball. Um, I think those are two things that are going to remain consistent in their identity. I know that they want to shoot more threes, and you're sort of starting to see the dividends of that kind of progressing through the preseason. Uh, You know, the first game, they only took 14 threes and made one. Uh, This last game against the Las Vegas Aces, they took 29 and made 10. Now, a lot of that was Odyssey going 5-7. But, uh, you know, if as long as people are shooting them, you're going to have maybe somebody going off and any given night. And as long as you're getting people more comfortable with that, uh, the offense has a serious potential to take off. I think the other main thing about this team is that they're going to be a lot faster than they were last year. I mean, they've got a lot of... Uh, you know, new young legs and all of the veterans that they uh, signed in the off season are under 30, you know, kind of right in their prime uh, with uh, Daniel Robinson and Odyssey Sims. You're going to see a lot of uh, dribble penetration to kickouts and then lobs to sill. Um, I think they'll get a lot of points in transition and I think, you know, or just from pressuring, pressuring in the backcourt, getting a steal, taking it right to the rim. You know, I, I think that's well, going to be a major strength of this team. Oh, it's de- I, I think that's definitely been a focus as far as player movement. Um, but something I really want to ask you just in regard to, we've seen a lot of this motion of, as far as regarding the roster. Um, Maya Moore, obviously a huge headline for the Minnesota Lynx. And... Basically, the question that I want to ask you is, what do you think this roster and all these moves means for, you know, 2020? You're having a Minnesota Lynx team where 
possibly, it's not guaranteed, but possibly you got Rebecca Brunson coming back, Maya Moore coming back. What, how, I mean, let's put on our thinking caps and imagine a little bit uh, what this could mean. Yeah, well, I'm going to throw in, you know, obviously you've got to re-sign uh, Cecilia's handle scene, but you've also got, you know, another suspended contract in uh, Kelsey Griffin, who could see minutes at the, the three and the four as well. I think sort of a clear strategy, you know, in sort of a two-year plan kind of way has been to overload this team with talent uh, such that you can't possibly sign everyone and then just choose the best available options and really cut it down so that you're getting the best team possible. Uh, it's going to be tough to make a bunch of these cuts. Um, you know, there could be, depending on how various players play this year, you might see some, you know, big trades again next off season. You might just see a couple players that they just let go. Uh, I feel like if, if Maya's and potentially Brunson are coming back next season, I think that this roster might be just about the best in the league. Ooh, is it, I, I'm, I don't know, but I'm going to, I'm going to classify that as a hot take. Uh, I, I hope it's not a hot take, honestly, but, uh, <laughs> but I, I just think you look at sort of the, the depth of talent on the roster and just the number of, of great, you know, really good players that they've been able to bring in. I think you bring back, you know, some of your proven kind of superstar vets. They're going to be real tough to beat. Uh, I know that there's kind of more talent in the league than ever, but that that's going to, that would be a very, very, very good team. That it's going to be tough to beat them. And also look, you cannot overlook the coaching. Um, I, I do, I'm so excited to see how this year plays out and where the links stack up. I mean, I think a lot of people are kind of dropping Seattle to a bubble playoff team now with the Sue Bird news that came out today also. Right. Um, which I'll be honest, I've, it's, it's hard when you look at the rosters of these teams and the schedules to figure out, you know, who are going to be these teams that don't make the playoffs. I think a lot of people have quickly assumed that the Liberty and the Fever are not making it. Fine. I'll give you that for now. But even with that, like you're talking about the possibility of some really good teams not being able to make the playoffs this year. And I think we'd be foolish if we didn't at least talk about the possibility of the Lynx not making the playoffs, which is almost like just blasphemy, if you will. But now after the Storm news and these more moves that the Lynx are making, I'd say it's pretty secure that they make the playoffs. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. I think it's really hard at this point to imagine them missing the playoffs without you know, some significant injuries happening, which hopefully they don't, uh, had enough of those already this off season. Uh, I mean, the, the thing that's, it's just tough in this league. I mean, there's so much talent, but everything is relative and somebody has to lose. And it's, you know, if you're even a half step behind the other teams, you're going to rack up those losses pretty quick. Yeah, and you can't have another, you know, what, what was it? The Lynx opened the season last year, and Three it just and was bad. Yeah, Three and six. I mean, it was, and all fire sale, everyone kept, oh, no, it's okay. And then all of a sudden people started to realize this is not the Lynx that we're used to. Um, I'm excited for a team that 
we're going to see a lot less late second, just throw the ball to Maya Moore's hands and hope she can get a shot off. Um, who do you think, you know, obviously there's a lot of people on the roster and we can be talking bench, whatever, but who do you think is going to be the go-to, you know, deep in the shot clock, you take the shot? Well, I mean, if they, if they can't funnel the ball to sell, which is that what they're desperately trying to do probably on most possessions, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Odyssey for a lot of the time, even if she's coming off the bench, I think she's going to be playing pretty big minutes, but otherwise it's, you know, there's an emphasis on uh, players not uh, passing up open shots when, you know, especially threes. Like if you're open for three, take it is, is basically, I think the mantra that is being uh, told to the players uh, so far this year. And that's going to be a major emphasis for them. But yeah, I I'd say, I'd say Odyssey is actually a pretty good candidate. Hmm. Well, uh, I wouldn't disagree. I mean, especially because every every interview, everything I've heard anybody on the roster or, or in the staff say has just been, Odyssey, you got five green lights. Take it, yeah. take it, take it. And I've seen a lot of people snap back and say, you know, look at what's been going on over the past year. Can she really be that good of a player? And I, and I do think she has that element. Again, if she goes back to what we saw two seasons ago, um, we're talking about a player – who could legitimately, you know, push this team to a contender. And I realize a lot of people are going to stand there and say you're crazy, but honestly, Odyssey Sims was like next level. I mean, I remember having conversations with people saying, you know, Chelsea Gray, Odyssey Sims, you're talking about two players uh, who could win the MVP award. And and that was obviously short-lived, but there's something to be right. said about that. Who do you think is going to be the most underrated but impactful player on this roster. Ooh, underrated. Hmm. That's tough to say. I mean, it's... Hmm. I think it's, you know, I, I and one thought I would have would be Jessica Shepard. Uh, she's been playing great so far in preseason. Uh, just with her rebounding, her quick outlet passes, just her passing in general. Uh, but maybe also Lexi Brown, her ability to knock it down from the outside is is going to be really important. Uh, I'm not going to say Nafisa Collier because I think people expect her to do a lot, actually, you know, being sort of that first-round pick. But I think she's going to be doing a lot of the – a lot of little things that you might – that might not show up on the stat sheet, but – uh, are going to be tremendously impactful. I should mention before also, of course, the ball is probably going to go to Simone for late clock situations also. Uh, oh, yeah, definitely. Take, take one of the greatest one-on-one uh, -on -one players in the history of the game and, yeah, let her go to work. That's Oh, yeah. That's, glad, glad, glad you're the one who was shouting her out on this and not me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I can't believe I didn't uh, think of it quicker. But, yeah. Come Seriously. On, well, well. Any last thoughts that you uh, you want to throw at the fans in regard to the Minnesota Lynx in this coming season before we log off? Um, just uh, just pay attention to uh, some of those front court minutes. I think just who's playing, who's not playing, who's uh, making an impact because it's going to be 
that's where you're going to see sort of the roster decisions being made both this season and next off season. Follow the minutes. That's, that's a smart tale from a smart man. We at the WNBA Insider believe in the W and the community deserve the same in-depth analysis and respect that men's sports receive on a daily basis. Please consider joining our Patreon community to help support us and the hard work we do.